Hey, this is Tony Amaya. I am the pastor of Cross Parallel. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. We pray it encourages you, builds up your faith, and draws you closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. All right, so singleness. Um, John Mark hit on so many good points. Um, But what we're going to do is I'm just going to talk for maybe 15, 20 minutes and kind of just go through some of the things that he talks about, um, go through the text that he mentions in 1 Corinthians 7, and just kind of look at some different things of how do we respond to being single? How do we respond in a way that glorifies Jesus and embraces that full life instead of living a life of just waiting and only anxiety for that marriage, for that whatever moment it may be? But how do we live out the calling of Jesus while being single? But man, like he talked on so many good things about different mindsets that we tend to have when we're single, different mindsets that we may have when we feel alone and different things like that. So before we go into the text, I kind of want to just talk about a couple of those mindsets that I myself have found myself in. Um, So the first one, well, it's really two. It's two major mistakes. We think that we are not fully ourselves. We think we're not fully who we need to be until we're married until we see that day, until it has come. We think we're empty until that day comes. And that's a huge mistake that we can fall into, of thinking that we're only living for that that one time, that one moment when I'll see someone and be like, man, she's the one. And then wait and wait until I get to put a ring on that finger. Man, like, that sounds great. That sounds romantic. But doesn't that sound pretty, like, dull? Like, you're just living every day just like, man, can't wait until then. But today, like, meh. Like, I don't really care. Like, I can't be used until then. Like, for me, that's a thought that I've had. As someone in ministry, especially in army chaplaincy, which is like predominantly Protestant Christians, and almost all of them are married. Like, every day at chaplain school, I would meet someone who I hadn't met before, and they'd be like, hey, how's your wife and kids while you're gone? Oh, yeah, they're great. Haven't, they're not here yet. <laughs> but no, like that, that, those questions come. Like the, the video is so true and being at church and people are like, oh, is, like, is there anyone on the horizon? Like we're always looking for that. But why? Like Paul describes it as a gift for reason and it's so beautiful. The other trap is that we think we can't have true peace, joy, and happiness until marriage. We think that that is what is going to bring us true happiness. Until then, like, I'm just kind of suffering, just kind of being like the weeping prophet, like Jeremiah, like, my day will come, it'll come. But no, like, why, why do we do that? Or the opposite end, where we think singleness is so great, I can do whatever I want. Like, I can go home whenever I want. I can go hang out with the guys until 2 a.m., and I don't have to worry about like my wife at home yelling at me. I don't have to worry about when I have to be around people. I have to be around her friends. Um, I don't have to choose what to, I don't have to like eat what she has to eat. I don't have to go to the restaurant that she wants to go to. I can eat whatever I want, whatever I want. Like it's just me. I can do whatever. That's the other trap. Like we think that that's freedom. We think married people are trapped and that we're free. Yet how selfish is that? 
Like, how selfish is it to think, like, I can just do whatever I want? But in reality, like, it's a gift. It is a gift to be single, and God wants us to use it. So if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, we're not going to have the verses up, and so if you don't have a Bible, just listen. Um, I'll try to make it clear and easy. But um, while you go there, I'm just going to pray. Father, I just thank you for this time that we get to hear your voice and hear your teaching on singleness. Most of us in this room are single and have gone through the battle of of trying to understand what that means. Lord, but we thank you that you consider us enough to write on the subject and to teach us how we can be with you. Lord, we long for you to be here We are nothing without you. I have nothing to offer to speak without your voice, without your spirit here. So, Father, come and speak to us individually and corporately. And may you show us your heart and who you are. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, it's going to be, I'm going to jump around um, in 1 Corinthians 7. The first couple verses we'll read are are verses 7 through 9. And this is where he also quoted from, but it says, this is Paul speaking, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, then they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And those two verses, like, we could talk a lot about that, but John Mark kind of already did, about, hey, like, if you feel like you can't control your passion, just get married. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about singleness. So we're going to pick up in uh, verses 25 through 35. Now concerning the betrothed, or people who are engaged, people who are being ready for marriage, I have no command from the Lord. But I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife. 
and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul kind of talks about some weird stuff um, between like 29 and 31 about this passing time, this passing world, this passing age. It's really talking about like the world and looking forward to that second coming of Christ, that new creation, that eye on the horizon that John Mark was talking about. And that last verse, verse 35, is so beautiful. It says, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. That's the whole point of this whole text. We have so many distractions that we can put on ourselves, whether it be in relationships or it be with an eye on the horizon for that future relationship, that future marriage, rather than being fully devoted to God. Like, I just remember when I was growing up, like, I didn't grow up Christian, but I always had, like, that hope in mind of marriage. Like, I had a plan of getting married young, had a plan of, like, got, like my life's going to be great, I'll have a wife and have all these kids and all this stuff. And then when I was 21 and in ministry and then 22 and then 23, I'm like, is it ever going to happen? And um, Ariel here in the front row, Man, she's such a good friend. But I remember so many times we would have diff- these different discussions about like that struggle of, of being single but wanting marriage or looking forward to it or having those things. And she would always talk about how like that didn't matter as much. Like your devotion to God was the primary thing of your focus. That should be your focus. And all of the other stuff will come. And uh, John Mark has this quote that, uh, where the heck is it? He had this quote in his book, Loveology, and this sums up like the main point of what I'm talking about tonight and what John Mark talks about. And that's like not waiting for all this other stuff, but pursuing God like Paul is talking about here. So this is what he says. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase and then quote from him, but he says, uh, being single is tough especially with hormones raging. But one of the best ways to combat that is to build close, meaningful relationships. This starts and ends with a firm, close relationship with God. This involves chasing after God. Listen, if you are stagnant in your pursuit of God, you will more than likely pursue a spouse who is stagnant in theirs. If you're not doing the little things right and chasing God now, nothing will change that. When you chase after God more than any other thing, you will find that your desires for what you don't have, what you are waiting for, are replaced by the pleasure of what you do have in God. When all your heart is wrapped up in Him, your desires change. Your desires change. Like, 
those conversations, those those struggles that I had a few years ago, like they seem so um, small and like meaningless now looking back and thinking about how like being single has been an incredible blessing for me and being able to serve Jesus in different areas, in different ways. Um, like he shared that great story of the guy being able to go to Mozambique and live off of a dirt bike in a tent and build wells. Now, not all of us are called to do that as much as I would love to be able to do that. Um, a lot of us are called to do smaller things. But have you ever really considered the fact that your singleness or your lack of a, of a marriage and a family may actually be a blessing in your ability to serve God in his kingdom? Like he said, like I said a second ago, um, one of the best ways to combat it is to build close, meaningful relationships. That's what the church exists for. The church doesn't exist for you just to, for people to come and just like sing a song and then go home. Now the church is supposed to be a family of tight-knit relationships who pour out their hearts for each other, who are able to love and care for each other. And as single people, that is an incredible opportunity to practice hospitality and love and care for those in the church. Um, there's this guy named Mike Pilavarchi. He's a Greek guy who lives in England. and he, uh, He's like 61 years old. He's a celibate, meaning he has never had sex. He's never been married. Nothing. And he talks about how that, that was a struggle for most of his life. Like He always thought it was on the horizon at some point. But he was okay with the singleness. But eventually he realized how much of a blessing it was to be able to pour into other people's lives. He talked about how he was in youth ministry and how he was able to like, be the father to brides going down the aisle who didn't have earthly fathers. He was able to be a spiritual father and a mentor to all these people. He was able to be a blessing to widows, to different people. And that's the same opportunity that we have as single people. Like, You're not constrained by all of these other things. You're able to devote your more time, or at least you should be able to devote more time and energy to being with God, but also being with His people. John Mark talked a lot about we like waste our time, we waste our energy waiting. But these were some of the questions that I just found myself asking time and time again going through these things. Are you going to waste another day, another moment, only looking forward and dreaming about marriage? Are you willing to waste your God-given potential and gifts looking at marriage more than looking at Jesus and serving Him? And are you going to embrace the gift of singleness until the gift of marriage is available? This gift that he talks about in singleness is usually known as celibacy. Celibacy is a twofold gift. It's a gift that can be practiced in a short term until you're married. So you don't, you don't have sex, you don't do all these other things until you're married. Or there's the lifelong gift of celibacy where you choose to never get married, to never have sex. You deny that aspect of the flesh. And I'm not trying to say sex is bad. If you guys saw the videos and his teachings on it, it's great, but in the right context. Like being single is an incredible opportunity 
It's an incredible gift. And I think it's something that we don't always think about. When we, when we ask people what your spiritual gift is, or when we ask people like all of these things, we don't ask, like, we're not like, hey, you got this gift of celibacy? Dude, I'm jealous, man. No, like, we're, usually people are like, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. But it shouldn't be that way. Like, it really shouldn't. And celibacy or a gift of singleness is like any other spiritual gift that needs to be practiced out, that needs to be something that we actually are aware of and considerate of. In the book, John Mark talks about how he has the gift of teaching. But if he just goes up and teaches, like without preparing or doing anything, it's going to fall flat. It's going to suck. And that's the same thing with any gift that we have, whether it be a spiritual gift or just the fact that you might be a, a great communicator. You might be great at something, but if you don't actually practice it, if you don't do anything with it, it just goes away. Watch people who go play, who are like amazing athletes, and then they take a year or two off of that. Most of them are never the same again. They can't just pick it up. And celibacy is not like that. I don't want you to drop it and then pick it back up. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> But it's something that you need to be mind. We need to be mindful of, and want to embrace. Like tonight, I'm not closing up yet. But I want you to think about like, is this a gift you've ever considered, for even the short term or the long term? Like I've had so many conversations with Catholic priests and people becoming Catholic priests, and. Most Christians are like, why are you, or most people in my family are like, why are you Christian, like Protestant? You're not married or anything. Like, we're Catholic. Like, why didn't you become a priest? And I can't use the argument of like, hey, I wanted to get married because that's not on the horizon. Um, but I, I talk to them and ask the, like, these questions about, because for them it has to be a lifelong gift. It has to be. And most of them talk about how like the surpassing value of being able to serve other people and serve God far outweighs their physical desire for marriage or for family or for anything like that. And I've talked to uh, a chaplain that was my like small group leader who was 55 years old, had been a Catholic priest since he was like in his 20s. So he'd practiced it forever. And he talked about how, because um, I just asked him, I was like, like how, how did you wrestle with that? How did you deal with that? And he's like, the first, he, he sounded, made it sound super easy. The first few years, like, you just struggle, and then after that, it's just gone. And he's this Catholic priest who's from Nigeria, so he's very, like, he always loved talking about how things are just super simple and super easy, and I wish it was that way. But he, he eventually talks about how, like, it was that practice of just devoting your time to God and being with other people, that, like, all of that other stuff, eventually dissipated. And now he's like, I haven't thought about that in years. So while I say all of this, like, I want us to be, like, purposeful and, like, Jesus-loving, serving singles. Not sad, mopey singles who mope around, like, when is it going to come? But, like, I have the opportunity to do something great while I'm, while I'm not married. I have something that I can offer to other people. I have something that I can devote my time to. Like I see families, I've lived with a family that had six kids, I live with my brother who has two kids, and I, I see the struggle of trying to do ministry, of trying to live a normal life with all of the kids, and then I think of like how I have been able to just 
yeah, I can just go on a whim and do this. I can go and um, work with the homeless. I can go and go to school for the army for three months and not really skip a beat. When, it, when there's a family there, it's so much harder to do that. So how can you make the most of that gift? When we're in the waiting, we're not waiting for a man or a woman, a proposal or even a, like a yes. She said yes. We're not waiting for that. We're waiting patiently for God. But it's not like waiting for God to show up. God is with you now. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You're waiting with God through the storm. So if you're called or you know like you have to get married and God is calling you to do that, it's not like you just go and chase it and pursue that. You pursue God and you wait with Him until He is ready, but more importantly, until you are ready. Like if you really, I want you guys to think about this later on this week. Like if you really met the person that you just knew you were supposed to marry and you were to really think about it, would you say that you were ready for marriage right now? Or what are the things that you actually need to work on to be better at? Like John Mark talked about, if you're stagnant in your pursuit of God, you'll more than likely pursue a spouse who is stagnant in theirs. Which means that when you're married, it's already too late. It's already too late to, to try to fix all of that. doesn't mean it's too late you have to get out of it. But it means like it's, it, you should have been doing this the whole time. And your marriage has probably suffered to that point. You can fix it. But why do you want to put yourself through that heartache and that pain now? So let me end with this thought. I have to study counseling. I have to study all these different things for marriage and um, helping people get through marriage crises and all these different things. And almost every book, almost every speaker on the topic, especially in Christian marriages, talk about how the marriage starts to fall apart or the relationship does when the spouses are seeking something from the other that only God can provide. And I want you to think about what are the things that you're seeking in a future spouse or even in your friends and your family now that only God can provide. That's the definition of an idol, is going after something or pursuing something from something or someone that only God can provide for you. Your loneliness is not a result of an absence of people. Your loneliness is actually usually a spiritual state, an absence from God. If you think loneliness only happens to single people, Go talk to some married couples. Loneliness happens to everyone, but usually it's a result of a spiritual emptiness. It's so true, like, with this thought of these people finding it that it's too late or that they just didn't do these things. They're looking for other people to provide what only God can do. It illustrates that, that um, parable that Jesus gives about the house on the, on the solid foundation. When you're building your house, when you're building a relationship, when you're building a marriage, if you build it on the other person providing you everything, when you build it on them bringing you happiness and joy and God's just on the back burner, you're building it on sand. But the whole house has to be on good ground. You as a single person, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife, 
You have nothing to offer another person without God being the primary and ultimate love of you and in that relationship. I know that's a terrible sentence. Butchered it. But, like, God has to be your primary love and He has to be number one in every relationship or else it's all just crap. If you want to be purposeful in your singleness, if you want to make the most of life, of the life God has given you, if you want joy everlasting, you will put God first in your life. You will make time for Him you will stop pursuing meaningless nonsense that takes your eyes away from him. You will stop making excuses and actually follow Jesus. You'll actually be close to him. You'll really know him and you'll be known by him. You will make him your king, your love, your hope, your everything. Isn't that the point of being a Christian? It's to know God, to be with him, and to become his child who serves him, loves him, and worships him in every moment of life. The greatest offering of worship you can give the creator of the heavens and the earth is your whole life. If you start doing that, the rest will come. I want us to respond in thinking about if you are really giving God everything, if he is really your primary love, in every aspect of life, if you're actually spending every day with Him, and if you really want Him to be the ultimate part of your life. Because as a, as a single person, if I'm not doing that, I have nothing to offer anyone, let alone a future spouse or anything like that. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything we're doing, make sure you follow us on social media and check out our website at crossparallel.com.